0: Hey, ladies and gentlemen, absolutely fantastic episode of The Morning Show this morning. We discuss art gobblers and what is going on there. Spencer gives some fantastic analysis on the price action, the volume that we've seen so far, as well as what the future might look like for the collection. We also actually have our sponsor, Rolling Loud, a huge name from the hip hop industry, discussing the utility that they're bringing to the NFT space and what that could mean uh, for other quote unquote Web2 entities coming in. Last but not least, we talk about Me Bits and their new uh, roadmap that's being rolled out, as well as platform risk on social media platforms, what Instagram NFTs could look like, what traditional Web2 IP could look like. Wide-ranging topics on today's morning show. Hope you enjoy it. I think it's a really good one. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It is Thursday, November 3rd, and you have tuned into The NFT Morning Show. We run this show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern Time to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time each and every week where we discuss all things NFT space. We talk about NFTs going up, NFTs going down, and all of the stories of the NFT market. I'm your host, P.O., here with my co-host, Nifty Nick the funniest man in the business, one of the most controversial in the business also. We got Easy Eats Bodega, the Solana celebrity, the host of NFTs Made Easy, formerly Solana Made Easy, a rising star in the Solana space and content creation, and as well, the creator of Bodega Buddies, soon to hit a blockchain near you. Spencer of Spencer Ventures, can you think of a better name for a fund? I certainly can't. Uh, love having him. He's actually in person right next to me in the same room right now. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. We are across the pond in London, enjoying the international cuisine that everybody else talks smack about. Uh, bad take, everybody else. It's been a great time so far. We got Ben on stage, one of the most notable board apes, one of the most notable NFT Twitter personalities He's on his alt account because Twitter's doing him dirty right now, but we're going to get him back. He's going to be back. Signal, one of the most sophisticated NFT market participants, uh, love having her on the team, the author of the Nifty Daily Digest. Some of the most intelligent and well-researched takes in the NFT space come from her. And then, of course, today's sponsor, LoudPunks, and that is uh, the brand brought to you by the one and only Rolling Loud one of the most recognizable hip-hop brands in the United States. If you're a hip-hop fan, I'm sure you've heard of Rolling Loud. We have Tarek, one of the founders and the CEO of Rolling Loud on stage. I can't wait to talk about this. This one's near and dear to me. You know, coming from the hip hop world myself, me and Tarek have uh, some mutual pals from back in the day. Uh, you know, the prep call for this one was a blast from the past. I can't wait to talk about this. I think this, this is one of the dopest sponsors that we've had in a while. It's going to be a lot of fun. All you hip hop fans, definitely uh, stay tuned to hear about that. Retweet the tweet that's been to the top. And Follow LoudPunks for a chance to win. Stick around in the show. and We're going to give it away at the end of the show. Uh, lots to talk about. Live from NFT London here uh, for me and Signal and Easy and Spencer. Nick holding it down back home. Uh, Nick, how's it going in New York, baby?
1: It's good. I got some uh, Blank Street coffee today and uh, I feel pretty decal. good. Uh, yeah. It involves some decaf, but that's the, in my blood, that's a significant volume of caffeine.
0: Okay. And why don't you tell the audience about your new technique when it comes to getting your coffee from Blank Street? What's that? What's the technique these days, Nick?
1: Uh, it's a, an advanced thing called a mobile app. So I don't have to speak to people. I realized that I don't have to have drama or beef with the, uh, barista. If I just placed the, the order on my mobile, uh, device and then walk in and don't even say hello to anybody. I just walk in, I take it, and I leave. No conversation whatsoever, no line whatsoever. It's uh, it's pretty much the most efficient path to get there. It's actually also a bad thing um, because like now it makes me want to get coffee more often because of the convenience.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was in there with you and I just walked up to the desk and I ordered my coffee uh, and you stood behind me in line, it seemed, However, yeah, you and just, place the order. You place the order on the app. Um, well,
1: <laughs> I mean, you, you experienced it yourself. I, you came out and discussed the interaction that you had with the barista because they didn't give you the right attitude. And my main point is, is like, yeah, like I uh, I agree, but I don't interact with them anymore. So I have no idea. Like it, it doesn't require anything. I think the, the general thing is they should just put a sign on there that says, if you talk to us, we're going to disrespect you. If you use the mobile app, you don't have to talk to us. I
0: mean, look, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure a lot of people uh, you know, think that maybe Nick is a handful when it comes to customer service interactions. But what I will say is I'll, I'll vouch for him. Uh, The physical energy felt from the people running the show over at Blank Street Coffee in downtown Brooklyn, um, it is pretty intense. Like Even when I'm going to order, I feel the energy. I feel like there's a lot of rage built up in the people there, and it's being directed at me when I don't know them, and I've never interacted with them before,
1: so I will give it a Nick. Although, to be clear, one of the interactions you had I thought was way out of line, and I'm curious to get – I want to get validation from other people about your hand washing incident, which to me, I feel like, well, I don't want to bias pe- people on my perspective, but uh, you, you had your own incident there, which I thought was, well, I don't want to even say, I, d- I don't want to say what uh, the perspective was, but maybe you could articulate what you thought was a reasonable request.
0: I just don't think it's that inappropriate to walk into a coffee shop where they serve food and coffee and request to just use the sink that's like four feet away from where you order, six feet away maybe, to wash your hands. And as you can imagine, something like that, that's just a lot for the the staff members there to handle.
1: Well, I'm wondering, does anyone else who's on stage, like, do you think that this is a reasonable request? That's my biggest question is do you think like walking in to a coffee shop, it, to me, it's to me, the equivalent of your request or close to equivalent is basically being like walking into a restaurant and be like, I want to use the sink in your kitchen.
0: Uh, I don't know if it's that far. I mean, you know, <laughs> I
2: feel
1: like it's a similar
2: request. I mean, Nick, you have punk privilege. You should be allowed to do whatever you want to do in any coffee shop around but- the world.
1: But Ben, do you genuinely think, like, this was my take. I was kind of on the barista side of things with this one request, which is rare for me because, like, like, me and baristas don't get along. But I thought PO may have crossed the line with this. Like it, there would have been a distinction. Cross like, the line
0: it, asking to wash my hands in the sink.
1: The distinction would have been like, yo, know, if you came in and there was an incident outside of the coffee shop, like you were injured, you were like bleeding, or there was like some sort of thing that you needed to recover from, and you were like, hey, can I wash my hands? I, I think that would be a different scenario. But in this case, it, that wasn't that wasn't the 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 situation. Like what what was the the cause yeah, for like, needing to wash your hands.
2: I, I, I would definitely usually side on on, you know, on the side of baristas just because they probably have to deal with a lot of lunatics coming in there. But, you know, it, if Pio came in like with his own soap and was just like super prepared for it, I'd be like, okay, I'll <laughs> let it slide. But no, you're not using our soap too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you came prepared with soap and even uh, a camping, you know those camper things you can install so you have a shower right there? And you just set up a shower directly. And that's like a YouTube video right there. I've seen another one where someone walks in, sets up like a foreman grill or something like that. And an extension cable plugs it in and cooks a hamburger right at the table at the restaurant. So I've seen like, obviously, that's that's a violation. <laughs> <P. O>. starts
2: <laughs> setting up his sound boards in the corner. Like, guys, I'm just going to do the show from here today.
0: I There's mean- a joke. There was a joke on that show. Speaking of London shows, that show Fleabag, because she runs a coffee shop on that show where a guy comes in, doesn't order any food or coffee, and just sets up like 15 different things, like, like brings a surge protector and sets up the laptop and this and that. And then she goes, you know, would you like anything to drink? And he's like, no, I'm good. Um, did,
1: or Nick, you were going to say something that I wanted to throw to the deep. Well, the only last comment on that aspect of things, there was a good business that existed in San Francisco. They expanded too quickly, but it was called Workshop Cafe. And you could go into this place and you basically, uh, 90% of the real estate within that place was actually uh, a workspace where you'd pay by the hour to actually have a desk. And if you paid a slight premium more, uh, you had the option for an external monitor that they had there as well as they also had like uh, a private conference room and they had multiple different conference rooms where you could like take calls. Built into this place, paid by the hour, so you could just walk in off the street and use that spot. You got power strips, you can order food or drink, but you don't have to order food or drink. That to me seemed like the most efficient uh, solution. And I haven't seen a single place in New York that offers something like that. You could go into WeWork, but you got to get a membership in order to uh, use even their common area. I think a minimum of like 150 a month or four, 300 a month. I don't, I don't know the exact uh, amount that you have to be spending. But it, I don't know. That seemed like the best or the most reasonable thing. And then now you have access to a bathroom. Uh, I don't know that they'd accept you setting up a shower in there. That'd be an extreme situation. But you have all the utilities that a modern, you know, uh, remote worker requires and the, and is ultimately the reason that a lot of people are in coffee shops at this point in time.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, in New York, you might attract an interesting crowd if you're bringing in a shower and uh, basically turning this coffee shop into what some would perceive as a YMCA style option. Dedeep, I mean, you're no stranger to coffee shops. You're posting the fantastic, uh, you know, artisan cappuccinos that you're buying over there in India. Very impressive stuff that your local coffee shop is chefing up. I don't know whose side are you on, uh, Dedeep, my side or the side of the Blank Street Coffee Baristas?
3: Okay first of all I need some clarity like do you guys feel this tension with baristas in only your country or is it like a global thing and second of all I need some context into this situation like Pio was there a restroom in the cafe that you could have probably you know gone into and washed your hands instead of the sink that's next to barista. If there was then I would have to side with the barista on this one to be very honest.
0: So I like the way you're thinking about it already, Deep. Let's start there. I like the the angles that you've taken right off the bat. So the second, the response to your second question is, there is not a restroom, and thus that's why I asked to use the sink, right? And I, may, I didn't know if there was a restroom. I thought maybe there's one in the back, and they'd send me to the one in the back. So the, so there you go. That's the first, the second question. For the first question, I wouldn't be surprised if Nick does have international beef I wouldn't be surprised if Nick's okay, beef I definitely don't wide it's... is far far reaching. I wouldn't be surprised about that. I would argue. I just got coffee with Spencer, Luke, and Easy here in London. I didn't feel tension. I don't know, Spencer. Uh, you, did you feel
4: tension when we were ordering cappuccinos? No, but I definitely would have if you had asked to use the like sink behind the bar where the baristas were. That is an off base ask. And the funny thing too that is not captured because it's a social audio is that. As Pio is talking about this, he's, like, in repose in his chair. He's leaned all the way back, feet are up. He looks smug with himself, happy with that decision to go in, and just cause chaos on whatever, you know, Tuesday morning this was in Brooklyn. You know, it's just, and, and, and also, if you've ever met Nick in person, too, like, like I don't know, like, if I was a barista, I'd have beef with him, regardless of what country we're in. So, like, these are all, like, contextual things that some of you miss on Twitter choices, but, you know, that's why you got to go to the in-real-life nifty uh, portal things, because I, I guarantee you, as soon as you do, you'll be like, wow <laughs> this all makes
1: sense <laughs> so so you're already on the side of the barista which i am and by the way none of this is nft related for those in the audience that are they're waiting on the nft content trust us it's, it's uh it, it's around the corner no promises but, but uh but i mean maybe this is just a coffee show moving forward but did uh, you guys the- have minnesota with coffee
2: when you went to VCon, didn't you have issues there with coffee as also well, There just
0: wasn't any coffee because Gary Vee didn't think of that. It, it, it's an interesting approach from Gary but, Vee. Hey, I'm going to invite 10,000 people into a stadium oh, and not give any of them coffee. But anyway, that's
1: this, a, this is a good example. This is a good example, though, actually, Pio. If you went up to – I actually view this as a comparable thing. If you went up to a food truck and you walked in and, and you walked up and you were like, yo, let me hop up in there and use your sink real quick. The food truck's going to be like, go fuck yourself. Like That's going to be the outcome of that. This a food truck, dude. This is a (laughs) full-on
0: retail restaurant establishment that doesn't have a bathroom and has employees that are mad at something else and channeling that energy at us. And also, we didn't talk about this. We don't have time to dive into this. This will be a conversation for a different show. But I've also seen beef between each other. I've seen them get into fights with each other. So there's a lot (laughs) going on there. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as much as I'm enjoying this conversation, I think it's fantastic. Reminder that today's show is sponsored by Loud Punks, which is the official NFT collection brought to you by Rolling Loud. All you hip hop fans in the United States and now other countries, because Rolling Loud is an international affair, uh, are probably familiar with it. If you are a hip hop fan, it is the biggest name in hip hop festivals uh, here in the United States and soon to be international. And when you hear about this NFT collection, if you are a hip hop fan, I think you are going to have a lot of interest. So retweet the tweet that's been at to the top and follow Rolling Loud. I am excited to dive into uh, you know the show here. Uh, you know, I got Spencer in the same room as me. Spencer, are you enjoying London so far? Are you excited about all of the NFT festivities that you are going to get into the mix with here in London?
4: I am definitely excited. I, I I've been like even on the flight here, I was like. Oh, my phone died. Right,
1: so right now? now <laughs> your f- your phone, phone died and, head 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 head. and we can hear you.
4: Oh, you can still hear me. So it didn't die. Yes. Um, that's weird. Okay. Well, so yeah. So I was on the flight here, um, like checking on what's going on with art gobblers, because that is a like the situation there is fast evolving. And I think that's I, I was I was debating not getting on the plane here because I was like, oh, should I just stay home and trade art gobblers this week? But then I was like, mm, no. I don't think so. I think that this is going, like, I, I've made my money on this, and I don't want to play hot potato for too much longer. So pretty happy with my decision to be here. The weather is bad, as expected, uh, but the people are good so far. So that's, you know, all you can ask for.
0: So let's talk about our Gobblers, Spencer, because you weren't on the show yesterday. I, I'm assuming you were traveling to London at the time. And so I want to talk about, like, your perspective on Art Gobblers. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're if you haven't been under a rock in the NFT space for the past 48 to 72 hours, you are familiar with Arc Gobblers and the fact that it captured, you know, 7,000 Ethereum plus of volume in the NFT space in the first 24 hours. I haven't even checked. Maybe we've broken 10K volume on it. It's
1: on the verge. It's 9.7K
0: almost 10K volume in a very short period of time. A free mint with a 6.9% royalty. So there is revenue being generated for the Ark Gobbler team. Um, and, and so you know this is the big project right now, right? Uh, the tokenomics are a point of discussion. It's attracted the attention of whales. It's basically a whale versus whale endeavor right now. Spencer, I'd love a little brain dump from you as someone that's paid close attention to the project and also someone that's participated and traded in and out of the project quite a bit. Now you're completely out am i correct about that
4: yeah i'm completely out unless like uh, there might be i might have some goo left i'm not sure i I have to double check but like as i was selling some of the gobblers i sold the goo first and so there might be some glue that crude but basically i'm totally out um i I think it's interesting to see like it's so similar the structure of the tokenomics to what we saw before from like um if you from uh wolf's game i got called out for calling that cheap's game and um like, like this is a style of like DeFi, like ponzi economics, tokenomics thing that we saw in the past. And I, it's really interesting, too, because they launched it as like a complete thing. If you read the docs, like we're not maintaining this, we're not upkeeping this, right? And I think that this is like an attention game. And this is, if you look like this is the same VC, this is Paradigm's thing, right? So Paradigm launches Blur Marketplace. They're going to do their token airdrop in January. Blur Marketplace, they also launched this project. The volume on this project drives... Volume on Blur to exceed OpenSea, which is nuts, right? And like the timing of this is obviously created. They, you know, they put a lot of effort into this. I think the structure of how it works is really interesting. It's a better model than we've seen in the past for these tokenomics because the way that it's like the square root of the sum of the multiples. I'm not going to get into the full details. You should, if you if you're interested in trading this project, like make sure you read all of the docs beforehand. The thing that was like happens with this is is whoever so that one of the mechanics of this game is that there's a mega gobbler that you can mint by sacrificing like 65 gobblers or something. My view is whoever does that just wins the game. Because if you, your mega gobbler produces twice what the 65 gobblers you sacrificed would get. And so like, I think that the musical chairs will kind of stop right around the mint of the first mega gobbler because whoever has the mega gobbler will just be making such a huge supply of the overall tokens. And that means that they will have a huge advantage on minting future gobblers the thing that i struggle to see is at the end of all this like once all the gobblers have minted out however long that takes like i don't know that they hit too well for me as a pfp and then i'm also like unsure like, like i guess there's this art thing with the pages right that you can make art on pages and the gobblers can gobble them but i don't know if that's enough to sustain long-term interest like even um wolf's game like they're building a metaverse like, they're, like they used a tokenomics ponzinomics thing to launch like an ecosystem that they're doing other stuff with like art gobblers differently from that has been pretty explicit that they're not doing that and so i don't know like i think this is the type of thing where you can make a lot of money if you understand how this works and are trading it correctly i think the window to do that has probably passed um but also a lot of people are gonna lose a lot of money because i think this is just designed to not be sustainable over the long run
0: i love the analysis uh, it sounds like nick has breaking news
1: breaking news coming out from uh, Nifty Nick right now uh Meebits launching uh, the new site this is the first step in their uh, in the Meebits story turn on.meebits.app uh a website built by the Yuga team first stop on this journey is a gift an exclusive one-on-one physical print of your meebit wow been waiting on that <laughs> all my life meebit holders have 2 weeks from today to order their free print this is just the beginning. The MeBits are just waking up. To learn more from us, check out the blog post from MeBits brand lead, Danny Green, on the yuga.com website. But uh, at least there's action on the uh, Meebit side of things. Uh, the website, when you click on it, pr- pretty much does... Uh, you can turn it on. Ooh, wow. Sorry. Can you hear that? We hear, yeah,
0: we hear a little... Is this MeBits house music?
1: Yo, this is coming from the Meebit site. And there's Mebits 1.1. Okay, so wow. So they have a little bit of a roadmap here. I'm going to turn off this music. Um, that Mebits 1.1, 1.2, all the way up to 2.0. Uh, and those are all locked. And so they're going to unlock that. So there's a variety of things uh, that are coming. Uh, they say right now, these are the collectibles prints. Uh, they look pretty cool. Um, I, I don't know that I... Care about having my Meebit printed because uh, that wasn't like a hurdle for me historically, um, but it's nice to see that they're doing something, and uh, this is just one small step in that process.
0: It's an official print. If Mebit's become historically relevant, I'm sure that these prints will definitely mean something. So if if I owned a Mebit, I would one thousand percent, you know, get that print without question. Um, so yeah, so I mean, look. Good to see that something's happening with me bits. It ain't going to just happen tomorrow. I love Spencer's perspective on uh, Art Gobblers. I think we should keep talking about it a little bit because it is, you know, the biggest story in the space um, from a market perspective. But I just realized maybe being in this hotel room in London has me a little bit off my game. Uh, Signal, a fellow Londoner today. First of all, how are you? Good
5: day, bruv. <laughs> is this London Signal? That's you got to go over to East London. But yeah, that's uh, that is East London. You're in West London. They're a bit posher over there. Would you like a coffee? No, you cannot use my sink. This is actually a working area, not a washing area. I side with the barista. (laughs) <laughs> but over to the uh, NFT market. Uh, it is rainy in the NFT markets, much like London. The weather, I have to say, sorry, guys, you come all the way over to the pond and it absolutely sucks. The weather had been better last week, but uh, I concur. It's absolutely rubbish and pretty cold, to, to tell you the truth. But on to NFTs today, Thursday, the 3rd of November. Volume on OpenSea is trickling back down. It's already down to 13.5 million. We were at 19 two days ago, 15 yesterday, and now it's 13. So we're heading back to uh, single digits, most likely. On the leaders, not much change there. Apes are still under 70 each, so actually at 68.9. Um, rest of the collections there looking fairly drab and grey skies, not much to report. Over the past 24 hours, it has been a lot more fun. So I would Talking about art gobblers. They're still leading the open sea ranks. Gobblers have now started to gobble art. And yesterday, if I'm correct, Spencer, but goo was was pegged at almost one goo equals 1.2 ETH. You could have done that on Uniswap. This has now come down and floor on gobblers just shy of 15 ETH. KPR was the big mint yesterday. The team faced some FUD uh, after the contract was turned on a little bit too early and got botted, but the mint was pretty high at 0.2, with the rest of the sellout being. Uh, being planned for tomorrow. The project's floor uh, is at 0.6 ETH, so that is definitely one to watch. Over to Asia and Naiji NFT, a Japanese project, uh, meaning rainbow, uh, minted out. That collection is from the Museum of Art in Japan. The project saw lots of action with more than 1K of secondary sales and the floor is at 0.06 ETH. And lastly, onto the fine art side of the market, that is just continuing to rip. you got Fidenzas, Ringers all going and Chromie Squiggles are seeing great sales. Uh, Squiggles saw several sales in a 25 to 30 ETH range whilst the Squiggle floor is at 16 ETH. So that is always a good sign. On to crypto. Uh, BTC is ranging. So is ETH. The big news yesterday was the Fed implementing a 4.75% increase in a um, 0.75% increase and a signal that there will be smaller rises in the future. But Powell did warn that interest rates could peak at a higher level than expected. So overall, much like the London weather, it's pretty rainy in the NFT markets unless you're at the top end doing art gobblers, or you manage to catch some of these overnight top-hyped mints. So it's back to you folks in London. Absolutely
0: fantastic weather report as usual, Signal. Some other updates from the Nifty Daily Digest, which is the daily newsletter that's published by Signal five days a week uh, and on the weekends still aggregates data. You can subscribe at thenifty.com. First story, Meta, formerly known as Facebook, has started to roll out features that let creators sell NFTs on Instagram. The features are initially available to a select group of creators, including Amber Vittorio, Rafik Anadol, and Isaac Drift, right? Uh, this winter, HBO and Warner Brothers are releasing Game of Thrones NFT collectibles based on the Epic Fantasy franchise. No official details have been released yet, but the te- the media company is teaming with a business called Nifty's for the release. Yet another company with that word in their name. No wonder we are doing a rebrand. Uh, OpenSea, is bolstering support for the community after adding new solutions to combat stolen NFTs and prevent scams on its platform. The team introduced malicious URL detection and removal and theft detection and disablement on NFTs. It's about damn time. Good stuff. Uh, Last but not least, subscribers to Starbucks Odyssey, the the leading name in NFTs, uh, will soon be able to earn and purchase digital stamps, also known as NFTs, and unlock exclusive offers, experiential benefits, and collectible artwork." Beta launches soon, and you must be a US-based Starbucks resident or Starbucks rewards member to join the Odyssey. So there are your updates. Signal, you have your hand raised. Something to add here? Wait, yeah, what that
5: yeah, yeah, there? yeah, yeah. Me I was me first. I know, I know. Go away, punk privilege. But I have to, I know this is gonna sound so dorky. So when I saw the Lord of the Rings um NFT drop, I was like, who are these people who buy Lord of the Rings NFT? These are such losers, such dorks. And then I saw the news about game of thrones and i was like oh my god i need to buy them i don't know why (laughs) i was a huge game of thrones maxi back like like back in the day seasons one two and three red wedding i mean just absolutely loved it and i know these are going to go to zero there'll be no value but the like the inner dork collector in me could only hear game of thrones music like and i I really want to collect um collect them so obviously this news is not as interesting as art gobblers but I'm just going to tell you I am buying um Game of Thrones collectibles.
0: But are they definitely going uh, to go to zero is the thing? Yes, I mean, I, uh, oh
1: they definitely are.
5: Yeah, no, they definitely will go to zero. These are these are these, these this is collectibles in the purest sense, right? You're just buying them because you are such a fan of a, a film, a, a book series, like whatever and you just want to have them as much as you have the books. Like if Harry Potter came out with um with uh collectibles i would buy those as well like i'm like a hundred percent sure um i wouldn't care if they went to zero i just want to enjoy them and own them
1: i uh, discussed the game of thrones nft on my solo uh show yesterday and uh if you didn't pay attention to that that's now uh the premier show on our channel a lot of people said wow this should be the only thing that's on here and i didn't say that that was with the commenters and i was like no 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 no." but anyway uh the the, the thing i actually wanted to say was If you're in our Discord, you missed out last night. P.O. doesn't even know this. uh, But I gave some people um, previews of the PFP, actually, if you were in the Discord and uh, got feedback from them. So if you have a portal uh, and you're in the Discord, there's a chance that that happens one more time. I don't know. I'm just saying. uh, that. I didn't
0: sign off on
1: that. No, no, you didn't. Um, But uh, we got great feedback. Um, Most of it was... Uh, this looks like uh, the, the most common comment was this looks like a repeat of Azure Bala. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, Hey man, that's really useful to know. Um, we want, uh, no, I'm just kidding. But the other thing was uh, after seeing uh, it's worth mentioning the uh, Instagram side of things, uh, which is, I mean, a uh, uh, conversation worthy uh, from the standpoint, there were a couple of things. One I mean, we've just seen so many positive announcements in the NFT space in in recent weeks from the Reddit uh, aspect of things. Um, you got Instagram. There, there's been multiple other things as well, but th- these are two like huge uh, players supporting NFTs. What was also interesting is the fact that it starts on Matic, not on ETH. So I thought that that was just um, super uh, interesting. Also, they had Solana. So that was... Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think that these are all uh, positive signs. The fact that it's limited to only a few people right now does make, uh, uh, it makes sense. I'm curious to see how like the NFTs are presented on your profile. Um, that's less clear to me. Um, but I could see that being, um, like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really uh, fascinated to see how this plays out over time. But the fact that it's integrated at this point in a more significant way than uh, Twitter has it to me is, uh, pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, I mean there's a ton of positive I mean I mean there's just it's like positive news event after positive news event from like the broader like outside the space perspective. It shows that there's genuine deep belief in the technology which feels insanely obvious to me. But it's not insanely obvious to everybody, so you love to hear that. Uh, meanwhile, in the space, we're all infighting and complaining about this, that, and the other thing. So you got to love that. But guess what? None of that matters because the people, are, the space will be bigger than any of us, and you know the people that don't adapt will just get left behind immediately. It doesn't matter. Um, Deep has his hand raised. Deep, what's going on?
3: Yeah, I mean, just to talk about this this Instagram thing, right? I mean, we we. We know that Polygon was obviously involved with, with with Reddit as well, and the way they rolled out their own collections. Uh, I am curious to see if they have anything planned to do, uh, you know, something on the same note with with Instagram, because if they manage to, you know, if they manage to roll out something on the same. Uh, sort of tangent It would be absolutely amazing Because obviously Instagram has what Like over a billion users if I'm not wrong So even if that Even if we can get like a half Percent of people You know interested in, in What this digital collect, collectibles Are it would be very Interesting because I mean what Reddit did was with the rollout It or it, you know made the onboarding Process easier and I talked about this On EZ's show as well but what uh, what this announcement with, with Instagram is right now, it's just, it, I, I, I'm, un, I'm really unsure as to how, you know, they, they will really go with the onboarding pre- presence because obviously most of the people on there are, are, you know, like non-natives of this space, right? So to, to make sure they, they cross that bridge, uh, there has to be something of a similar mechanism. So I'm really curious as to see if they have something planned and if they have, how they really scale to such a to such a huge uh, platform? So, just wanted to point that out.
0: Well, we'll have to see. I mean, look—if I got to ask Tarek or Mister Rolo, you know, of Rolling Loud and today's sponsor, Loudpunks. I mean, you guys have two million followers almost on Instagram. That's a massive following. I don't think there's a single. NFT or Web3 entity that has that big of a following on Instagram, if Instagram fully integrates uh, NFTs the way it seems like, it, it seems like a, a total, uh, you know, foregone conclusion that they will, would you guys leverage, you know, like your Instagram audience and, and you know, kind of promote the NFT, Loudpunks or, or any other NFTs that you guys have in the ecosystem natively on that platform to your massive audience? Absolutely. Well, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Tarek said, hell yeah. (laughs) Yes. The official statement came out. (laughs) So the official statement is out there. Look, we got JS. um, You You got a question for
1: me, Pio? I don't. Should I have one, Nick? Yeah, ask me the same thing.
0: Nick, would you uh, promote our NFT to your colossal, massive, massive Instagram audience of like 2,100
1: people? A couple thousand, yeah. (laughs) Uh, The answer to that, P.O., is yes. Thanks. Well, well, shit. I
0: mean, ladies and gentlemen, uh, do with that info what you will. Um, Anyway, we got JS of Liberty Square JS, did I meet you or meet the anonymous masked version of you at the Solana DeGen NFT event in Las Vegas a couple weeks ago?
6: Yes, you you did. In fact, meet me. Uh, Were you wearing a mask? No, I was not. I was on a stage with Easy for Solana made Easy. Oh, so we were Um, on stage together. Well, nice to meet you, buddy. Nice to meet you. So, um, you know, I know a couple weeks ago or last week we were talking about what Facebook's next move is with this whole metaverse play and how they're willing to sustain losses. I think this gives an inkling as to what the next kind of phase is. Um, If they're really trying to onboard crypto to the masses, I think the next intermediary step is to set up a payment processing platform for crypto. And I think starting with Polygon, Um, I know Nick was talking about how they want to build a platform and that seems like the most seamless way. So I thought we'd kind of bridge back to that conversation.
0: Well, sure. I mean, talking social media with Nick uh, is like talking, you know, basketball with Michael Jordan. The guy knows his stuff. Uh, Nick, what are your thoughts? Yo, uh,
1: pass me the ball, dude. I'm a dunk this. Uh, what What are my uh, thoughts on them having payment? I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, the short answer to that is yes. Uh, but in all in all seriousness, um, I would say, look. The bottom line is, this is where it makes the most sense, primarily with the thesis uh, that's based on, uh, centered around PFPs. We were discussing this, I don't know if it was on our later show or the first show yesterday or which one it is, it all blurts together now, but uh, we were discussing kind of the, ori- the origin thesis of NFTs centered around the like social status side of things, which is where the PFPs exist. Over the long haul, it's not clear that that's uh, you know that's the only thing that uh, is going to exist. In fact, you know, if you talk to Node uh, or uh, anyone else in the art space, that's they're just focused on the art side of things. Um, and, and actually, that did well. Technically, the the punks came uh, predated uh, Nifty Gateway, but in terms of uh, uh, bull runs, the art side actually happened first. But my, my whole point of this is Instagram is where a lot of that activity happens. two things. all of the uh, all of the a lot of the artists that succeeded uh, at doing drops over the past 12, 24 months all for the most part uh, had significant Instagram followings. That was where they built their brand. And so when you talk to them, it was like, oh I found like we, we'd be at uh, various NFT events and and I'd be like, wow, I've seen your work before. But I didn't see their work on Instagram, and d- despite that, they had millions of people. I just wasn't following them uh, for that particular work. So it seems for digital artists in particular, this is like uh, transformative. There was a lot of skepticism last year um, when when there were news came out that Instagram was going to be rolling something out in the NFT space. Uh, I, I saw a bunch of tweet threads with people just like venting and complaining about uh, you know. We've been exploited for far too long. And my response, if I was Instagram, was like, I mean, okay, call it exploited, but we gave you massive distribution. So it's hard to call it exploited when uh, we helped you build a huge following. It's like and saying
0: then, YouTube has exploited Logan Paul for years.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, they provided a monetization platform. That's the only distinction with um, with Instagram in particular. You make $0 off of their platform but they give you distribution and how you utilize that distribution is up to you. They also didn't provide uh, effective ways to like link out to stuff. So you, everyone does, I mean the whole link in bio movement kind of came from uh, Instagram, but I, I think fundamentally uh, most of this activity uh, where we see NFTs being bought and sold, it's not gonna happen on these NFT marketplaces. Like this is a subset of a subset of a subset but we just happen to start with that subset, and and uh, that uh, like in in other words, that's like your beachhead market, as they would say. But you end up uh, land and expand, and right now, like you you uh, we've found that wedge, and that wedge was greedy traders, <laughs> which I'll put myself into that bucket, and uh, we were all able to make money, and that was a compelling way to get people to onboard people because everyone who had an NFT that made money off of trading the NFT told their friends, told their family, their friends reached out to them and said, which NFT do I have to buy? The answer to that was other deeds. And then we dumped on all those people, (laughs) uh, which was pretty exciting, but uh, we're going to see the transition over to these uh, other platforms, no doubt. And uh, this is just one step, Uh, whether or not it, it seems like Matic, um, has the, the 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 largest adoption among these platforms, which is pretty cool to see. Uh, what and and it's also really exciting because if you were taking a counter position, and this is I'm going to end this rant, but if you had taken a counter position to say. Uh, what you know, the corporations are coming for this space, and they're going to own it. And that's kind of what Punk sixty five twenty nine has been talking about. We need to, we need to own the memes of production. Was kind of what he he was saying. That was his meme. And uh, ultimately, that whole uh, that argument is not currently holding up right now. And what I mean by that is the thought was Apple, Facebook, Google, all these other places are going to build their own internal. Uh, uh, blockchain, and we're not going to onboard users to the decentralized web or Web3, whatever you want to call it, and they're going to end up owning it. Well, so far, that's not actually the case. And that's very, very exciting to see because you have basically the largest player in the social media landscape, uh, Facebook slash Meta, adopting uh, Web3 standards. And to me, that's bonkers because it even shows like MetaMask is in the screenshots that they, that they show. And that to me is as bullish as you can get for the future of this. And it goes against kind of some of the arguments that, uh, that were occurring previously. So I, I don't know. I am I'm, I'm very excited about that. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's going to be uh, really exciting to continue to see this play out. as to the specific nuanced, uh, roadmap for us to get from point A to point B. That that's more uh, abstract and difficult to pin down, but I like the idea. To what uh, I guess it was, um, JS was saying was, "Hey, like uh, you know, once the transactions are happening on here and payments, and that people can purchase uh, that crypto and exchange with it right there in the app, then yeah, it's going to remove friction. So anything that removes friction is going to be uh, a step in that direction. I'm just for one super thrilled to see the fact that it's on." actual blockchains that we're familiar with and not some Facebook-developed one.
0: Yeah, I mean, great great insight from the Michael Jordan of social media. You know, a couple things there. Uh, well, yesterday we were with someone that is deeply plugged into the NFT space, and they mentioned that it the reputation of Polygon's business development team is that it's the strong, like one of the strongest business development teams in the space. And I mean, I think it's hard to say that that's not the case right now when you look at some of the recent uh, developments with Polygon. Like people thought Polygon was kind of irrelevant with, you know, like Solana obviously had its kind of moment in the sun. In a much bigger way, earlier in 2021 and early in 2022, uh, but Polygon over here locking in deals left and right. Reddit, you know, uh, apparently Instagram, and then one thought I have on the Instagram thing before I throw to Spencer is, uh, you know, basically Instagram is going to allow for digital flexing in a big way. The whole Instagram platform is kind of built on digital flexing in many ways. Rolex watches, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, uh, pictures with celebrities, pictures in places that other people want to go to that then go viral and kind of trickle down the influencer ladder all the way down to regular people. Um, and all of a sudden, when the value is understood of a Bored Ape, the value is understood of a CryptoPunk, a Fidenza, you know, insert valuable NFT here, it'll keep coming. And I think think it'll also create more valuable NFTs. So us dinosaurs here on the Twitter platform uh, will benefit from fully adopting Instagram as soon as possible and paying attention to the trends that form there, because they'll inform what NFTs accrue value moving forward. There will be valuable NFTs on Instagram, just like there are valuable NFTs that came from Reddit and whatever you know new platforms come up. Uh, we got some some great hands raised here. Let me throw to Spencer of Spencer Ventures uh, right. Behind me in this hotel room. What's going on, Spencer?
4: Hey pio Yeah. So I think like what's what's interesting to me is um, you know, we we talked about like uh Starbucks earlier today, right? And so I've always believed that like the best utility for NFT is exit liquidity, and that's like always gonna be the case. And like Reddit did a great job. Like Reddit gave all the Reddit users an NFT that could trade in a marketplace where then they could then use Twitter influencers as their exit liquidity, right? Like that's what happened with Reddit. That was a big win for the Twitter community because you just like gave your whole like collectors this thing i think that's one of the downsides with if you look at like polygon versus flow like polygon matic is interoperable with openc it's like built to do that whereas flow is built to make like and flow is what um it uh, a bunch of like, top shot top shot and some like but like dapper labs puts like their ecosystems are self-contained and they often have like native marketplaces and i think it's like really hard to grow there and i'm excited to see like i think you're right like the the big win of Reddit avatars, and then we're watching what's happening on um, on, on Instagram, is bringing everyone into the same ecosystem. Now, as you said, though, like, a lot of the, what that means, one of the implications is that there's going to be a lot of, like, trading activity of people just trading against each other. And it can often cause, as we saw with Reddit avatars, these huge pumps, which are not necessarily good for, like, long-term adoption because they're typically followed by large dumps, right? And so what I think will be interesting to see is, Will the like bringing someone into an existing ecosystem that has all these other like elements be a better onboarding than bringing them into a really contained ecosystem where there's a lot more guardrails. I don't know the answer and I don't know that we'll know on the short term, but that's what I'm looking at for these plays is how did these play out in six months, 12 months from where they launched and how like the, the, the code that I don't think you have cracked is the corporate entrant that has sticking power. The closest is maybe artifact, but that was an acquisition by Nike, like that has had sticking power. Even Adidas is NFT. Like we don't hear anything about that, right? Like how do corporates come in and do something that isn't just a cash grab and is actually sticking around? And should they? I, I think it would be great to see an example of something where like there is sustained long-term value, and that's a thesis to bring more other corporates in. But I don't know that we have seen that yet.
0: Love the Love insight, the- Spencer. Uh, signal with our hand raised, then we'll throw to Ben. Signal, what's going on?
5: Just to say, you guys are getting echoed between each other because you're in the same room.
0: <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> we're, we're doing a decent job of muting no, doing at the well. right times.
5: You know, you're doing well. But no, um, just on this Instagram point about the collectibles, I think one of the things that we're going to see out of that is many of the Instagram... Uh, collectibles that will come out from the content creators on there in fact could have no value and I don't mean that in in necessarily a bad way I just mean they could just be collectibles in the purest sense uh sort of like what I was talking earlier about um Game of Thrones mainly because when I look at sort of let's say um influencers who are maybe sort of more fashion-led, for example, or, 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 or more beauty-led, uh, they, like, their primary job is to create content around what is happening in fashion, what's happening in, in, uh, in beauty. And whilst NFTs could be part of their ecosystem, their day-to-day job, they may not be interested in pumping value towards those collectibles. So I think what we could see is a huge tail end of where you'll have um, very, very big influencers on Instagram who will have you know followers maybe more than 500,000 maybe more than a million but their collectibles will have zero value or very close to zero and then you could actually end up with a, another niche of Instagram where you have followers uh who are influencers in a specific niche wanting to actually use NFTs as another way of uh having revenue I don't like I don't see how that's going to play out yet we, we, we haven't seen that because it's still early days but I don't think people should just equate Hey, uh, influencer has X amount of large following, which will equate to an NFT having a lot of value. I don't think it's going to be as simple as that.
0: I can't wait to see the influ- the Instagram influencer pitches on NFTs. You're going to see some of the best pitches ever on NFTs. Like the I folks- think they're going
5: to be some of the biggest rugs as well.
0: Oh, absolutely. But I mean, the pitches, like the videos, they're going to go viral as fuck. Like the, the Instagram like influencer community has strong, strong pitches. I mean, I think that's kind of where like Ty Lopez came from. I know he was like on YouTube, but it's like that type of thing. Anyway, Ben has his hand raised. What's going on, Ben?
2: Yo, I, I just wanted to definitely echo what Spencer and, and Signal were saying. And I think what, what this is, is a good opportunity for us to look at how Polygon has been onboarding and it's been, you know, something that I've been following for a while and I think they've done such a great job with business development. And you know, they they had a, a, a difficult time trying to overcome some of the perception that people ha- had around the chain because when when we had the big bull run last year and ETH was really taking off, um, a lot of scams and low effort type projects were just airdropping uh, things to people's wa- uh, wallets through Polygon, and it made it a lot easier because there was low gas fees and, and transaction fees, and so um, they kind of got a bad rap. And you know, when I would talk to projects who were thinking of um, you know which chains they should go on, they would always say things like, "Well, Polygon is known as like the scam uh, chain," and, and things like that. And I think they've they've rebounded really well, and and not just rebounded from a public perception, but also from the Quality of the companies that they've been able to onboard, like like you said, um, you know, Instagram is the latest one, but also things like Starbucks and Disney, and they've really done a good job at getting eyeballs on the space. And whether that's going to affect mass adoption and people are going to flock to Instagram to go and you know buy up all the NFTs, uh, that's you know something to be seen. But I think the the amount of eyes that they're putting on crypto in general has been really commendable. And whenever I talk to, to Project Now in 2022, there's really like three main chains that they're looking at. It's typically ETH, Polygon, and Solana. And so the, the fact that they're e- they're able to onboard people at a much larger rate because of the fees are so low is something that I think is is great for the space in general. And regardless if people from the outside, you know, sign up and, and create wallets through these accounts and things like that, I think just being able to get news stories and big companies on board with what's going on in crypto and see some of the more um, technological developments, I think, is really important for the space. So um, I've been I've been pretty big on on Matic Polygon for a while. And this is just a, another example, in my opinion, of things that they've been doing right.
0: Good stuff, Ben. Your instincts are on point as usual. Uh, Dedeep has his hand raised. Then we'll throw to Mike G. Deep, what's going on?
3: yeah i just wanted to add to what signal was saying about instagram i mean you know on twitter with influencers if some someone does something shady you know there there is obviously a little you know like culture where we call these people out right but what but, but with instagram i believe if you know influencers start getting more and more involved with this digital collectibles it, it become i i really doubt you know if you know, we can establish the same kind of control or accountability, which may lead to more and more rugs. So I, I kind of, you know, I, I kind of believe that that's what's going to happen. And I mean, we all know, dude, that the influencers on Instagram have no, have no sort of remorse for anything. They will sell their soul for 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 like a five dollar bill. You know what I mean? So obviously, it's going to be very interesting to see how they promote all of this and also i will say the same thing which i said on easy show my girlfriend is a floor influencer on instagram so i can't wait to keep my hands clean on twitter and you know make sure i encourage her to uh endorse some pumps and dumps on instagram so we can keep the you know bills flowing uh yeah pio
0: <laughs> I love hearing that your girlfriend is a floor influencer on Instagram. Not rare, but definitely floor. That was hilarious to D. Micah G, you have your hand raised. What's going on, amigo?
6: Well, uh, ever since I missed out on the Reddit pump, I have been, uh, you know, just trying to sign up for anything that corporate or large entities are potentially entering the NFT space with. And I did get the email yesterday about the Starbucks NFT. Um, or this like Odyssey thing they're doing. And I, I'm sure this is just me coping with the fact that I missed the Reddit thing. But I'm like kind of excited that that potentially it could be worth something that the that the user base of Starbucks would sort of not be on top of it from from the beginning, um, which, you know, gives us a chance to potentially get in. But uh, you know, I'm fine with people potentially disagreeing and saying it probably is cope, and they're not gonna they're not gonna handle NFTs correctly. Um, but it's just an interesting point here. Is like we have these huge places with rabid fan bases. I remember being in Target collecting sports cards and seeing people waiting for the Starbucks like holiday cups to come out. So there's some energy there in terms of collectibles, people that care about the brand. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know if other people have opinions on if that's just like you know, it's going to be a horrible corporate mess or if it has some chance of being a cool connection to NFTs. But uh, yeah, that one is that one's definitely on my radar.
1: The Instagram stuff, the, the conversation on the, this that keeps going, and there was one that uh, Brinkman uh, shared in the Discord was pertaining to, like, artists being wronged, essentially, by Instagram. And that narrative is one that I wholesale cannot buy into, primarily because... All of the artists that have been killing it in the NFT space all had Instagram followings. So I don't understand. Like to me, it's the biggest bullshit argument. And everyone, like, our uh, well, when I say our generation, I would say people that have had access to the internet are some of the most deserving individuals that I've met in my in my life. Where where it's like I deserve di- free distribution on a platform built by somebody else. And I deserve millions of people to actually see that particular thing. And they should be paying me for the, for the, for for the greatness that I have delivered to them on this platform. I I didn't see, and this is a, I say this in a a non-political way. Do you think Trump was bitching about the fact that Twitter wasn't paying him? Like I, I I, like in all the politicians that have successfully exploited these sorts of platforms to their own benefit. And, uh, same as, uh, social media quote influencers uh, that that's like the the uh, problem with it the, the biggest issue is is like and, and uh, brinkman's back during this in the discord but the, the, the complaint that people have is when they have a private agreement with instagram and, and bear in mind this same thing happened with facebook app developers when facebook launched their platform Everybody was under NDA. You couldn't actually talk about it. It limited who you could partner with. But the upside was you got first uh, first dibs in early distribution for a platform that may end up getting promoted in a significant way. Imagine if Instagram for a moment took the 10 artists or whatever the number is that are part of this NFT drop and put it on the homepage of millions of people's Instagram uh, Instagram accounts when they load the app. Who's going to be complaining about that? You're going to be like, oh man, you took an extra 10 cents from me when you built this multi-billion dollar platform. It, it, to me, it's absurd. I don't buy into the argument at all from artists. And this isn't me like, look, I, I believe that artists deserve their fair share, but it wasn't Instagram that was the one that was changing that. Instead, it was the client work that those artists were incapable of negotiating a higher value for their for their price or an industry that exploited... Uh, artists historically, that's the problem. And and, and to me, any platform, including uh, any social media platform that has enabled individuals to be on a level playing field with traditional media, think about newspapers, think about TV uh, shows, think about all those things. We as individuals now have the ability to compete with those, uh, what was traditionally like a, a, a thing that only a limited number of people got access to. And now all of us have borderline equal access with, with some limitations. You can get banned, yes. You have to follow their terms, yes. There's other things. But you now have the ability to build that following. And now with uh, this NFT market, also have the ability to monetize it in a potentially significant way. I also know a bunch of e-commerce brands that have been built and had, and individuals who've had their lives changed by just having an Instagram, by having a Facebook, by having a TikTok, all these different things. I know so many people, and those stories, the the narratives behind those individuals, those were people that came from uh, underprivileged families, and uh, there, there's there's other aspects of that. So, like, I just don't buy into this narrative that that the artists are the ones being wronged. Yes, ads were being shown on the platforms, but they needed some way to make that money, and the only argument that I'd buy into is that ads and the, the ad monetized approach is a bad approach for developing quality content. I'll buy into that all day long, but everything else, I'm actually going to lean on the side of a lot of these social media um, platforms outside of the fact that I hate them for so many different reasons. I, I, I do think that like none of us, uh, like there, there was no guarantee that we would, f- in a frictionless way, be able to build an audience. And you're seeing it right now. Our ability to benefit from that is, is like so obvious. We have a business that's built on the backs of these platforms. And, and so we wouldn't have been able to do that uh, without going hand-to-hand and handing out a magazine to people back in the day. That's the only way you could have done something like that. So I I, I just don't buy, I have no sympathy for anyone that's bitching about it. Oh, you made me sign an NDA. Oh, that limited some shit. Yeah, you're a business. Operate like that. Step up your game and then be grateful for the fact that you have that opportunity. That's it. Anyways, uh, enough of my rant.
0: It should be noted that even uh, like big entities in media, you know, like a barstool sports or like insert name here that built their own audiences organically, like through their own websites and got their own page views, they still leverage the social media platforms, right? They still leverage YouTube, they leverage Instagram. They don't try to say, actually, our videos aren't on YouTube. You have to, uh, you know, you- play them on our website. And you see me screaming about this all the time about how you don't want to paywall things and you want to put your content on platforms that get the most eyeballs because all that matters is the number of eyeballs and the numbers of uh, eardrums that you get on your stuff. It's all that matters, period. That's the that's the value that's what you need to focus on when i hear narratives like this like artists versus instagram artists versus uh you know x2y2 as a platform they do feel awfully political and i wonder how many people just hear the sort of political narrative and just yeah. kind of wholesale buy in uh oh nicks
1: back well, a little one, bit more. one last one last question well this is for like tariq here what, 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 do you think that the your uh that rolling loud could have succeeded in the way that it did or that you would have experienced the growth that you did without social media? Definitely not.
7: (laughs) Uh, The whole like foundation of our business was being able to build community and circumvent like the big players in the space like Live Nation and AEG Live. I've been booking concerts since 2010 where like yeah I was in the streets passing out flyers putting out putting up posters but being able to use social me- social media to, to as a, especially back then as like a lower cost entry point to marketing and really pioneering the you know Facebook ads and and later in, uh, Instagram ads and stuff um, that really helped us. Uh, yeah, s- I mean, stand you- up as a David to Goliath type situation.
1: It, it, it's it, it's kind of the same thing. It, it, it's it's a, you all are a perfect example of that David versus Goliath, whereas the same thing exists in the content, just media side. You all are doing it against a monopoly, which is live Nation. That's one of the biggest monopolies in the private market uh, at this at this moment in time. And that to me is like absurd. It, you all are a massive success story. I mean, it seems like you're hosting conferences across like around the world, right? i oh, sorry, not conference. <laughs> Con- sorry, my <laughs> apologies. I, I I butchered that between conference and concert. My apologies, but yeah, yes, yeah, concerts.
7: They're, they're, they're festivals. Yeah, we got them all over the world. We we have eight festivals now worldwide. Uh,
1: soon soon to be a couple more.
0: Tariq, as you can see, Nick super plugged into the modern hip hop world. To, to uh, the the hip hop conference
1: <laughs> uh, circuit, you know.
0: I went to the Rolling Loud Hip Hop Conference. It was a really good networking event. Um, uh, Spencer has his hand raised. Uh, Spencer, what's going on?
4: Yeah, so I I think Nick's like way off base here because, like, what there's a really subtle nuance to what happened to specifically visual artists on Instagram in the last like couple of years. So what happened was like, it was initially it was great. You went on, you posted stuff. It could go viral. You could gain followers. Then around like 2018, it started being like, okay. You can't really gain followers anymore unless you pay to promote your stuff. Like we're kind of like, like you want more people to see this, like paywall. And a lot of artists didn't collect email addresses, didn't have other ways to reach out to their audience, and so They spent all, they invested all this time, energy, and attention in building around a system that had just changed so radically. And this has to do with the ad thing. But I think a lot of people adapted to that. You know, there was this sentiment of, okay, we've done it. What happened in the last, like, couple of months absolutely wrecked visual artists. And, and I say this as someone who, like, my Instagram is a photography Instagram, and I've, like, stopped posting on it because of this, which was that to try and compete with TikTok, Instagram went heavy on Reels, which, like, if you're a business, is fine, because then, like, you just change the content you're making to go be Reels. And they were promoting Reels. Everyone's, like, that was where all the views were. You could go viral. You could get followers. But that was at the expense of then suddenly every other, like, feed post on tic- on Instagram just like didn't perform well. Like, we started doing way, way, way worse. And like as an artist, that's awful because now you've curated this audience on this platform. That's, they own their email address. They own all the data. You don't have any of that. And you can't collect it because they don't see your stuff anymore, right? And again, as a brand, you can just switch to making reels and video content. But like if you're a painter, if you're a photographer, like if video is not your medium, like Instagram essentially mandated a switch of medium for a lot of artists. And I know a lot of people who in the last year have abandoned like huge Instagram accounts because they were like, the only way that I can grow my following here is with reels, and that's not my medium of creation. And so I think that's where like there's been twice in the last like five years where there's been a really radical change in how Instagram has algorithm has worked, which has invalid which has invalidated a lot of work artists have put into curating their own followership on those platforms, and has been something that you can adapt to as a business, and I agree, but as a, like, if, if you are there to make a certain type type of content, it's left you high and dry. And I think it's it's tough to see because, like, again, a lot of people with big Instagram followers don't have associated email addresses for them, don't have other ways to bring them to other platforms, to bring them to other things. And, you know, Instagram was for photos. It's not really for any photos anymore. It's for videos. You know, Twitter is for text, right? Like, I think that this is one of the big challenges. Um, and this is something that, that actually makes me really you know, excited about, especially artists in the NFT space who are releasing on their own contracts, is I think like platform risk is really real. I, I always worry about super rare artists. I worry even about art blocks artists, because there is just platform risk there. And the same way there's platform risk with Instagram, it doesn't feel like there is, but there might be. And I think my favorite thing to see right now is artists making their own contract, finding their own way to you know, create their, their own presence on a platform where maybe the rules of the exchanges can change. We've seen that with royalties. But the things that are all on chain, like that, is not with the same platform risk as I think in Instagram.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I just think the problem you're having, the platform risk that you speak about, is spot on. The same thing happened with app developers. It consistently happens with app developers, which I categorize as the original sort of creators, at least in the technology space. Um, and so you, you like that happened over and over. You saw it happen with Microsoft. You saw it happen uh, with. Uh, Facebook, Apple, um, it, it exists as well. The friction that exists there that everyone vents about is app store approval and how fr- how much friction there is with that. So so this sort of thing always uh, exists, and that's just the dynamic that exists between platform and creator. Uh, that's just something you got to live with. and ultimately, you know uh, it, you can either go build, Uh, I'm going to equate it to the newspaper. No one wants to be in the newspaper business anymore, but you can either go build your own newspaper or you can deliver news on one of these platforms, or you can do both. And fundamentally the both is typically the best approach most, uh, but good luck uh, being a visual designer and having thousands and thousands of people come to your website right now. It's just near, it's nearly impossible, Uh, especially because you're going to have to learn search engine optimization. Now you're going to actually have to do written words because, the, uh, because images by themselves are inherently not viral when they exist on a website. There's a lot of friction there as well. So the argument then would be like, isn't Instagram still, I, I, you're completely right. They switched it to Reels. There were a lot of missteps that they made. They're getting absolutely destroyed by TikTok and they're feeling the competitive nature there and that's changing the structure of it. So maybe there's an opportunity for someone to go build you know, uh, the, the new Instagram, which is just for photos again. The reality is though, despite all of those different things is none of that was ever guaranteed. And, and instead artists and creators had the ability to exploit that pat- platform for their own benefit. Here's another problem with it is. Some people objectively have better photography than another person, but they're not being rewarded because they don't understand how to optimize their content, their hashtags, their following, all this other stuff. They're not, quote, good at social media, basically. But, like, none of these things are promised or guaranteed. And that's, that's the, the main thing. I, that doesn't change. But you do mention the reality, which is yeah, uh, like, you're doing essentially business with another platform. The most frustrating thing is that you don't have someone, another person that you can frequently speak to. Like, I can't go call Twitter right now and say, here's what I want. Like, I just can't do it. There's someone I know who works at Twitter, but maybe or maybe maybe not, they they respond to my message. And, and so that's that platform risk exists also just for the consumer who's consuming this sort of stuff. I think of any app that exists in the app store, you, uh, and that's one of the things... Uh, I, I, well, anyways, it, it doesn't matter. That's just the dynamic. So you're expressing the dynamic versus um, what the individual creator deserves. I think that friction will continue to exist. And it's a good thing because as we discussed yesterday on the uh, Elio show, the, the people that uh, have tools being built for them right now, by and large, are creators. And, and so I think that anything that continues to empower the individuals is something that's going to win over the long term, and the fact that there's any competition whatsoever is really the most positive aspect of all of this, that Instagram feels a need to go develop an NFT platform, that Reddit felt a need to go and do that. They're not driven by uh, by inspiration and empowering creators. They're driven by competition and profit. So the fact that th- these two things are that that's moving in a direction that's aligned, for me, at least is like the most positive thing that we could uh, potentially see. Um, outside of all the other uh, frustrating aspects of the of this uh, dynamic.
0: Well, I think Nick touched touched on one thing that I totally agree with, which is just basically that it's more than just the fundamental skill set of like the art form, so to speak, but rather a full-on like Darwinian survival of the fittest structure for people that are able to kind of not only have a strong skill set, but then also be able to totally leverage the platform. Like you know, I'd I'd ask Tarek, you know, uh, from Rolling Loud, right, huge hip hop entity, Tarek, you've been in the music business for over ten years. Uh, Is the best rapper? Is the best producer always the one that has the most success? Is that a one-to-one correlation? If you're the best skill set in your art form, rapping or producing, does that equal the biggest uh, overall success?
7: Absolutely not. I mean, there's a certain element of like the cream rises to the top. Like, you know, the music that that does chart is some of the best music, but the music really is like 10% of the equation. You know, you're, how you carry yourself, your overall brand, how you connect with your community, your fans is really the the secret sauce, you know. Uh, especially like today, the, the barrier to entry to, to making a great song, you know, there's a lot of resources out there, from software to writers to you know all types of all types of hacks that you can make a great song. But it's more than the song. You you need way more than just the song.
0: Absolutely, and I mean, so for people that don't know, you know, you guys are from Rolling Loud. I mean, you're the CEO and co-founder of Rolling Loud, uh, and you guys are, are today's sponsor. Obviously, people should retweet the tweet that's pinned to the top and follow Loud Punks NFT for a chance to win. You know, one of the Loud Punks NFTs that were given away. Tark, for people that aren't familiar, right? We have a, an international audience. Maybe not everyone in the audience is is a fan of hip hop. However, um, I think anybody that is in the music business or familiar with the music business in 2022, probably knows you guys. But for the the people that don't know you, could you talk a little bit about what Rolling Loud
7: is? And then obviously we'll dive into the NFT. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So what's up, everybody? My name is Tarek Sharif. I'm the co-founder, co-CEO of Rolling Loud. Uh, my partner is Matt Zingler, My one of my best friends since fourth grade uh and it started super organically you know matt and i have always been big fans of hip-hop i remember he used to make like little cds and stuff when we were kids little burned mix cds of like the latest music uh and then we started throwing parties at my grandma's house believe it or not just to like bring people together and have a good time these are like you know little illegal house parties uh by the time we got to college we saw uh People were like college kids our age were booking EDM DJs for nightclubs and you know sell, pay the DJ sell the pay the venue sell the tickets uh, and we, I saw like oh well we could do that with our favorite rappers that are not getting booked in Florida so we started small uh, 2010 through 2014 we were booking rappers every other month and then progressed to like every month throughout the state of Florida. Uh, by by summer 2014, we we're like, yo, we got something here. We're we're identify. We have a community. We have like groups of the same fans showing up to all our all of our shows. So we came up with the name Rolling Loud and launched in February 2015 our first festival. And fast forward to today, we launched in Miami. To be clear, uh, did it in Miami for three years before expanding uh, into California and then New York and then Australia. So today, now we are proud to say the largest hip hop festival in the world. Our Miami show does 85,000 people per day. I think next year in 2023, it'll probably do 100,000 people per day. Outside of Miami, we've got a show in Los Angeles coming up here in March. That's our first show of 2023. Then we got Thailand in April. Then we've got Portugal. And, um, and and Netherlands, and an, another to-be-announced European market in July. And then we've got Miami in July. And then we've got Toronto. We've got New York. And uh, we'll be going back to Australia in 2024. I might have forgotten the market, but we're all <laughs> over the world.
1: Uh, and it's it's been a journey, man. It's great. I mean,
0: I mean incredible. Go ahead, Nick.
1: I'm curious uh, about the business structure of just concerts. Like what the hurdle for you? So like you were hosting parties. I'm assuming there were like dJs and what like who were the first type like what what was the jump to uh, like, were you guys djing the parties? Was it literally just like a house party where? there was like, you were playing, I mean, Spotify didn't exist and uh, actually did it at that point. Probably. Yeah. 10 years ago. 10. Nah,
7: I'm, I'm old man. So I don't, maybe there was Spotify. The first house parties we used to throw were like 2006, uh, 2005, yep, 2006, that- 2007. Um, so really it was like my iPod, uh, <laughs> and I just had an iPod full of music. And so, yeah, call it quote unquote DJing, but no, we didn't We it. Just hit play. Uh, the jump to like a more professional situation. One time when we were throwing a, a party in college, we booked a band to play. And I was like, damn, this is cool. I actually got arrested that night for throwing this party. <laughs> um, Sacrifices. But, uh, th- yeah. Right. It, that was like the summer before we launched or no, that was like the year before we launched. Um, but yeah, the, fir- the, the jump from parties to real, uh, like a real ticketed concert happened in
1: 2010. Uh and and so what did that look like? Like did you did you just get like one artist cuz I actually wonder about this as an individual where I'm like, "Hey, would it could like let's say I want to go uh book the roots, which actually is that one feels more accessible, but I'm like, were you d- did you just go and say we're going to get the biggest uh the the biggest artist around or like d- and were, did did it just grow organically? Like did you just fund all of it yourself or did uh, you go and raise money. Like, what was that transition like? And and, and what what was that first uh, really major event?
7: Okay, so we started with one artist at a time. Uh, at the time, you know, my favorite rappers were like Currency, Wiz Khalifa, Mac Miller, Big Sean, Wale, J Cole. Like, that was like the Kid Cudi. That was like the new school uh, back in like two thousand nine, two thousand ten. And nobody was booking these guys in Florida. Um, so the plan originally was to start there. But curveball, I see Rick Ross tweet for after-party bookings, email Bookings at gmail.com. So I'm like, yo, Rick Ross is coming to Tallahassee. We should book his after-party. So the first show we actually did was a Rick Ross after-party. We just booked the nightclub, booked Rick Ross. Actually, like, did very poorly on that event. Uh, my partner and I both had about, like, fifteen thousand dollars into that event so we were like 30k into that event and we lost like 25 of it (laughs) it was like it was like 200 people maybe 100 people (laughs) in a 2000 person club so it was like not a good look but rick ross was like the coolest guy um and performed eight songs he didn't even have to perform at all he he just needed to do a walkthrough but he, he gave us a great performance And from then we were like, okay, we're not the after-party promoters. We're like, let's do what the original plan was. Let's book concerts. So we like uh, regrouped and like did what we needed to do to save up some money. Um, Then we booked currency for three shows in February, 2011. Uh, It was at the time he was only charging $5,000 a show. So that's 15K in booking fees. Uh, so we needed to basically for a 50% deposit, we needed to save up 7,500 bucks, which we did. Um, and then we booked them for those three shows in Orlando, Tampa, Miami. Orlando did okay, like broke even. Tampa made a little bit of money and and uh, Miami sold out and made some good money. And from there, like that was like our proof of concept. And we started, like, we had, like, different friends that had, like, you know, a couple grand here, five grand there. So we would, like, get friends together to invest in the shows. Um, by 2013, we met uh, a, an investor that, that was, you know, pretty deep pockets. And we started proving ourselves to, to him and his family uh, and did about a year and change worth of shows with him before pitching him Rolling Loud. Uh, and he invested in the first three Rolling Louds. At that point, it got so big that, you know, it became too big of an investment, but we started to be able to leverage our cash flows and get advances from the ticketing companies. Um, so we went independent at that point.
0: I mean, incredible story. I want to get to Signal's question. I want to also, you know, obviously talk about LoudPunks, the NFT collection, how you're fully integrating it into Rolling Loud, but just to like recap, I mean, you guys are the biggest hip-hop festival in the world. You're doing shows all over the world. It sounds like the numbers are approaching six-figure concert goers per day. So there's a massive audience there, um, There's and you guys are already culturally relevant, which is basically the hardest thing to do in the music industry. If anybody here is familiar with the music industry, the ultimate goal is like cultural relevance, like being a name like a Drake or a Future, and you guys are that equivalent on the concert side and you guys are fully integrating it sounds like from what you've told me the loud punks nft collection into that concert so we'll talk about that but first i just want to hear signal as hand raised do you have a question for Tarek?
5: yeah Tarek, the like the concerts sound amazing i've never been to any of them so i was just wondering um as as someone who's never been how would you describe your concept if you were to compare them to say to tomorrowland coachella glastonbury like What are your concerts like? And going forward with the Mint, what will the experience be like for anyone who holds the NFTs?
7: Uh, So the first question, out of those festivals you mentioned, I'm going to pick Tomorrow World or Tomorrowland as the comparison because that's a singular genre festival. So I'd say we're most comparable to something like that or an EDC or Ultra Music Festival where those are heavily catered towards EDM. And those are actually our inspiration, right? Cause there, uh, there was not a, you know, rock the bells went out of business a while ago. Um, and there was no hip hop festival anymore and we saw the EDM ones crushing. So ours is most comparable to something like that, but it's all hip hop. We only book rappers a, a couple few R and B acts, but you know, our lineup is 99% rappers. Um, and that as far as the experience for the people that mint, our utility is a lifetime festival pass. So to any of our festivals worldwide in perpetuity forever, um, no like no catch to that. Like there's no like bait and switch. Literally if you mint and you hold it, you can go to any of our festivals. And the reason we did that was, be- was because we wanted to create, we've been looking for ways to create, the uh, a a niche community for our most uh like our biggest fans because we've been noticing on social media and even just looking out at the crowd but on social media especially people tweeting like about to go to my 10th rolling loud or about to go to my third rolling loud this year so we've realized that we have these super engaged members of our community that we we wanted to create a place for them to all be able to come together and be rewarded and and build community. And, you know, at first we were looking at a bunch of web two solutions, but I, I just really didn't believe in those. There was, the best thing I could say is there was too much friction. So in in as I started to get more well-versed in web three over the past few years, I was like, I think this is the solution. I mean, a fan could literally buy this hold it for as long as they want and when they're over it they can flip it in a frictionless way without having to like change a bunch of info or like do some sketchy stub hub transaction like nah like this is the way
0: i I love it. also
7: all of our holders just to wrap up that question there'll be exclusive loud punks lounge at all of our festivals um so you'll get to meet up with members of the community our discord is super popping right now. And I'm, I'm really excited for our first show back next year in March for all these, all these people to be able to actually meet each other in person. It's going to be pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and the thing that I liked when you first told me about it is that you know we've seen other entities from traditional like Web two, so to speak, businesses. I mean, music industries. Like, it's not a Web two business, entertainment industry, but we've seen entities from the music business, from the film business, from the clothing business, right? Um, fashion industry, I should say, where they they sort of separate the Web three. They're they're half stepping. They're not fully all in on Web3. They build out a separate Instagram for their Web3 entity and not in a way where it's like, you know, the Loud Punks collection, like literally, you know, XYZ business. It would be like if you guys had rolling loud Web3. And that one has fifty thousand followers, but your regular Rolling Loud has one point six million followers, and you don't separate them. That's not there. Like on this one point six million follower Instagram right now, I have it pulled up. Pulled it up in the bio. You have a link to the NFT collection, right? You got the uh, the Loud Punks account right there um, that you're like promoting from the main account, and you're integrating it into the festival. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh you already were like loud punks is already a thing like the people that go to rolling loud call themselves loud punks am i right about that
7: You're right and well the the second statement was a bit of a stretch I, I don't think anybody was already calling themselves loud punks but I think now they are but we loud punks has been a character that's been endemic to our brand ever since uh my partner Matt Zingler came up with the concept for it and and our artists created it for us but essentially Loud Punks is a genderless, raceless depiction of a Rolling Loud fan. Um, and we've had this this character blown up in massive inflatables that are like 50 feet tall that stand, stand, for lack of a better word, stand tall at our festivals and look really cool. We've had Loud Punk stages where like the name of the stage is Loud Punk stage. Um, and, and now that we've got the loud punks community, people are beginning to call themselves that it's pretty cool. But it's, yeah, it's an organic thing. It wasn't like, it's, I just want to be very clear, like rolling loud. We weren't one day like, oh man, NFTs are cool. Uh, let's make up some character and start a PFP project. Like, no, it's way more organic li- than that. This is our character that we've had for a while. And this, this is our community that we're building for our most core fans as well as people in the web3 com- it's it's not only for our core fans it's also for the web3 community as a proof of utility and really to like I, I, we we're very excited to see what we ex- what we inspire in the space you know I, as a brand that is a concert event business coming into web3 and 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 doing this lifetime utility you know, you've seen like the opposite, like people that are in Web3 starting to do events. I feel like us doing it the other way around is really going to just help lead the way for all these other projects.
0: Yeah, I love hearing about it. So ladies and gentlemen, this is your last chance to retweet the tweet that's pinned at to the top and follow LoudPunks for a chance to win the LoudPunks NFT that we're going to give away. I'm going to start drawing the winner after I ask Tark this question. So Tark, just just to give people details, you know, when's the mint? How much does it cost? How many of them are there going to be? Like all the details surrounding the loud punks and just, you know, a a kind of re-emphasis on the actual, right? We say utility all the time in the space. Here's an example of actual utility. Like if you get a loud punk, what does that look like if you attend Rolling Loud concerts? Do you get tickets to the concerts? You know, all the details surrounding the collection.
7: Cool, yeah. So we're minting November 9th, uh, May, maybe we push back a week. I'm I'm not sure about that. You know, kind of like party starts at nine, but everybody's going to show up at 10. <laughs> um, I, I'm, we might push it back, might keep it to November 9th. If we do push it back, it'll be like the 15th. Look, um, we announced the collection size is 10 K, but I've been looking at all these, these connects, these collections that just p- popped off recently with smaller numbers. So I'm considering like, do we do a reduction in collection size, and is that what's best for holders and the Web3 community? Uh, I'm I'm not so sure that so sure of that yet. That's the other thing I love about Web3 is like the flexibility to be able to make these decisions prior to mint in, in such like a 11th hour type situation. Um, you know, we have a lot of people buying this as their first NFT from our community, right? So we're onboarding a lot of people into web three that have never bought an nft right you know our, our rolling loud fans are super intrigued about the idea of wait i could pay this one price and be able to go to all these rolling louds all over the world that's very intriguing for them but they don't have a metamask wallet they've never bought ethereum so we're doing all that onboarding work which is great i think i think the space needs that right now um but i our current uh, our current stance is November 9th, 10,000 NFTs. They're all ready to go, ready to drop. Maybe we drop it to a 5K collection and, and make them all VIP. Not exactly sure yet. Uh, the mint price, we haven't announced yet, but lo- very low. Somewhere in the range of one to two ETH. And, and, and that
0: gives you access to all the Rolling Loud concerts in perpetuity.
7: Right, which just for a frame of reference, our tickets are like three hundred ninety-nine dollars plus fees. It basically works out to like five hundred dollars for a three day pass. Um, you know, you're seeing over a hundred rappers. If you add it up all just the headliners, it would cost you thousands of dollars to see the three headliners in concert, let alone the entire entire lineup. If you bought separate concert tickets for all these Artists, it would be thousands and thousands of dollars in concert tickets. So we've got a $500 ticket. Uh, so, so, you know, let's say we mint at hypothetically one ETH. That's really just three, con- you, you could you pay it off in three concerts basically.
0: Yeah, I mean, I want to make that clear to people. Like, this is like if Tomorrowland, you know, sold a pass where you just get to go to Tomorrowland over and over again, even though you, you know, you just paid one time and you get access to like VIP type stuff there, like a dedicated area for holders. Uh, Nick, go ahead.
1: That's also trans. Is that transferable? So if I give this NFT to someone else, I mean, I'm assuming the 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 obvious answer is yes. Uh, You can. You uh, By transferable, you can
7: sell somebody your NFT, yes, if if that's what you meant.
1: Or, I mean, I I guess theoretically I could also send it to them. The distinction is, uh, like, if I wanted to gift it, I could do that as well. But, yeah, the bottom line is I can sell that NFT. The one thing, uh, I'm assuming you're going to have to use ERC-721s for this, uh, for that claiming process, um, because otherwise you'd have to game the system. Are you guys developing, like, technology to like for that actual claim process so
7: we're working with existing companies uh and I don't know if I should say the name or not Ronald but we're working with existing companies on on verifying whole holding of of the NFT at, at to get your wristband uh it's not going to be like we're not going to mail out a wristband to holders it's, it's going to there's going to be a dedicated loudpunks entry and and will call where they can prove that they hold the nft in their wallet and then boom get your wristband for the weekend and enter the show
8: i can I mean, kind of speak to the logistics of that a little bit um so we'll have a day before thursday we'll be an off-site what, call. what were you saying
1: okay uh, go you hey, could go ahead yeah
8: tarik sometimes doesn't hear me i like rug on tarik i don't know what that is he hears my voice too much and it doesn't let him hear me anymore uh, Thursday, the day before, will be an off-site will call at like a hotel ballroom situation, and it'll be like an 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., and we're talking with partners that are already trusted in the space. Um, we, I think there's a lot of infighting within the communities, but us coming in as an established Web2, we really want to collaborate and bring people together more. So it'll be a trusted entity that Web3 people are already aware of. You can kind of probably guess at who we'd be talking to about that. And so there'll be an 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. where you'll go, you'll verify your asset, and you'll get your wristbands there. There'll be Loud Punk-specific designed wristbands, so you'll have access to the lounge, and you'll be recognized on the festival grounds as being a holder. And then on-site, there will also be Loud Punk's only dedicated will call. But if you've ever been to festivals, um, not like conferences, but uh, you don't really want to go to the on-site will calls per se. I mean, if you have to, you have to. So we're really trying to create as much of a seamless experience offsite a full day before to give those people a chance. But we understand people have to fly in on a Saturday or a Sunday and maybe that's the only time they can go and I think that's something beautiful about the Loudpunks NFT as well as we don't sell single day passes. And like say me and my wife like we have twins now. I don't I necessarily can't go to a 3-day festival, but it's like but Kendrick's playing Saturday night. Like I'm just gonna show up for that one day with my loud punk, and then I'm good. And I think that's like something really unique that people don't fully grasp yet.
0: Yeah, I mean it's in- it's incredibly dope. So I drew the winner. Uh, it's crypto. Uh, I'm assuming this is pronounced sauce, like the word sauce, sauce, like with a W. That's what I'm assuming is this name. So I've invited you to the stage, crypto sauce, uh, crypto s. Wait, they get one of
1: these loud pass or one of the uh, loud punks. They they do Nick they what? do win.
0: <laughs> um, so crypto sauce, I've invited you to the stage. You are in the audience, it seems. Um, come on stage in the next minute or two. Otherwise, I'm going to draw a new winner. So come on stage or uh, or DM me right now, um, and we and we'll get you uh, that loud punk once they drop. Uh, last question from Signal with her hand raised. Signal, go ahead.
5: Yeah, no. I was just, I was just gonna say on the pricing. I know some people might think that's quite high. I actually think that's consi- like extremely f- fair for VCON. I paid one ETH when one ETH was when ETH was at like four K, and it's only a three-year conference. So um, I, I think what you guys are offering in perpetuity to go to a festival anywhere in the world um, and oh. to have that VIP experience is extremely fairly priced. So yeah.
1: Straight up, I want to buy one of these. Like at least, like I definitely want to get at least once. <laughs>
0: so that, I, I just think, yeah, like it would be smart for me to do that. So I'm going to do that. Yo, know, crypto sauce. Yeah, if you want to be a loud punk, you got uh, go in once. And and by the way, don't be mad because you didn't DM me either. I don't want to. I don't want to get angry DMs later. Crypto um, going once, going twice. It's
1: gone. You're it's gone. gone. It's,
0: and now he's watching pop up on screen. Yo, stage. drink that <laughs> Um. So we got Daniel. Uh, oh, actually, nope. That, that person is not in the crowd. So that person uh, will not be the winner. Uh, let me... And, and Nick, you can feel free to ask Tarek one more question while I draw this uh, actual winner here. One second. Actually, we got Fred Lopez... Okay, Fred Lopez, you're in the crowd. You will be. Yo, uh, Fred
1: Lopez is gonna be drinking sauce's sauce while <laughs> at that event. So that <gasps> that just. Drink is, uh, well, I forget the, the <laughs> statement from that movie.
0: Fre- Fred Lopez, uh, come on. I stage. drink
1: your milkshake, isn't that what it is? Oh, here
0: he is. Fre- Fred Lopez was away. drinking
1: the milkshake of the yeah. other person.
0: <laughs> We're gonna get angry, uh, messages from uh, Crypto Sauce, but it's okay. Uh, here we go. Fred Lopez, you just want a loud punk. How do oh, you feel? Let's go. I got, oh my I, I god, got, I sauce got.
1: is now requesting. That's hilarious. Four, Sorry, dude.
0: Sorry, Sauce. Uh, you snooze, you lose. Uh, Fred Lopez, are you a hip-hop fan? I am. Got, good to hear, amigo. i got four kids,
7: but I'll make it. I'll. I'll they'll stay with the wife. I'm good.
0: Good to hear, Fred. I
7: got got two kids. I'm right there with you, man. (laughs) You know, they could start coming to the show eventually.
0: (laughs) Well, there there you go. Congratulations, Fred. I'm going to DM you winner-winner. And once the Loud Punk's mint, you'll get one. Please don't DM me every day until they mint asking where your Loud Punk is. Uh, Tarek, any closing thoughts for the audience on Rolling Loud and Loud Punk's?
7: Well, I'm, I feel a little bad. For some reason, I couldn't hear Ronald. I it's the second time it's happened to me on a space where I can't hear Ronald. So some uh, the, the Twitter gods don't want me to hear what Ronald has to say. So I hope I don't regurgitate something he already said. But essentially, we're really stoked to be in the space. We're hoping to pioneer uh, the, the next phase of utility um, and really – lead, lead, lead the space out of this quote unquote, you know, bear market. (laughs) Um, But very excited to be doing this. If you're, if you're a fan of Rolling Loud or, and if you've been coming to Rolling Louds for years, or if you went to a bunch this year, this is for you. This is for you to be able to make a one-time purchase, to be able to go to as many Rolling Louds as you want. And if you're in the web three space and are, are, are wondering if you should speculate on this, you know, I don't know a project with better utility than this. Uh, on top of the Lifetime Festival utility, we're throwing parties throughout the year exclusively for our holders. Going to be doing exclusive merch. If you've ever seen the Rolling Loud merch, it's some of the best merch in the game. Um, our Discord is popping. Please join the Discord. I'm in there frequently talking shit. Our our, our community is super engaged. Um, and it's really like, you know, it's something we... T- we're, we're, we're all about community at Rolling Loud. At every show, we, we tell people, you know, look to your left, look to your right, look in front of you, look behind you. Let's take care of, like, get to know each other, take care of each other. If somebody falls down, pick them up. Uh, we're a very just love and community-oriented festival. We, it's imagine going to a festival where everybody's listening to the same music in like, they got the same playlists going, and you come together and meet new friends and stuff. So excited to do that in a more concentrated fashion with Loud Punks, creating this lounge at the festival for all our holders to be able to hang out at and get away from the music for a second and engage with each other and then, boom, get right back out there to the mosh pit. It's going to be super fun. I'll be popping into the Loud Punks lounges at each show as well. Um, Got some artists that will be doing that as well. Going to have one-of-ones in the collection. I'm excited to see who gets the one-of-ones. They're really cool. Um, we got a bunch of trait, trait-based utility that you'll see when we mint. Different traits will get you different elevated experiences, uh, one of which is like uh, access to our loud club, which is our VVVIP, basically like nightclub on-site with the best view of the main stage. That's where all the celebrities and athletes and all that are at. Um, so some of the – very rare, but some some of the holders will get that access, which is like – twenty thousand dollars worth of value so it's really exciting um I, i'm I'm stoked to mint I'm stoked I'm already stoked because the the community's popping and let's get it
0: That's what I like to hear. Well, what a cool sponsor today, ladies and gentlemen. Shout out to Rolling Loud. Shout out to Tarek and the whole gang from Rolling Loud. And check out uh, Loud Punks, the NFT collection. I'll personally be checking it out, obviously. I mean, I think it's a no-brainer for me to do that. Anyway, here's a little jam from back in the day from Tarek's uh, beginnings as a promoter. I I was active at that time, so I know what was going on. Uh, We do this show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Eastern time, ladies and gentlemen. We will catch you next time.